0: In this week's episode of the podcast, I spoke to Jennifer Dahl. She's an American expat now living in Stockholm and an independent author. Her latest novel, Lagging Indicators, hit the shelves in July 2018. We talked about everything from her journey to becoming an independent author and for what it's really like to be an American living in Sweden now. Thank you for inviting me into your home, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. Thank you
1: so um, much for asking. Uh,
0: it's, uh, it's very exciting because... Um, uh, I was delighted to discover a, another fellow indie indie writer. I, I call myself an indie so writer no now lot. because that's Probably,
1: probably. exactly indie indie
0: author. Indie, indie author, author, author exactly. indie writer, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, in Stockholm, and um, your book, um, "Lagging Indicators," mm-hmm. uh, was recently published. Yes, it yes. came out in July. I'm so um, I have a copy. I have my copy <laughs> in front of me right now that I'm 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 reading about, and it's um it's a really interesting concept. But first, before we get to the book, mm-hmm. because I've got a lot of questions that I've got okay, to ask you about sure. it, I want to hear about your origin story. Everybody has a superhero origin story. So how did you end up in Stockholm right now? Tell us right about now. that.
1: Well, first of all, I'm American, yes. originally from New York, mm-hmm. um, but my parents are Haitian immigrants. Okay, and they came to the United States in 1969, mm-hmm. and my sister was born a year later, and mm-hmm. I came in 1971. So you're a true third culture kid. Absolutely, absolutely. So my whole life has been one of navigating two cultures: mm-hmm. my Haitian upbringing and America in mm-hmm. the 70s
0: and 80s. Wow. As, as a um,
1: <laughs> as, as a black kid in America in the 70s and 80s, and all that and all that entailed. But um, I studied, I eventually went on to college in New York City. I went to Columbia University Mm -hmm. and I met um, a very uh, handsome, fun Swede at a nightclub who was working at the time. He had studied in the United States and he was working in New York Uh and um, we clicked and dated for several years and once he proposed, he asked me if I would move to Sweden with him. And I had visited yep. for a couple mm-hmm. of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always came in the summer and the weather was absolutely beautiful, which is kind of weird in retrospect because I used to come for literally one week <laughs> and the weather was gorgeous. So I, you had this like illusion did, of this I beautiful did. I country. I this illusion that it was going to be <laughs> like this all the time or we would fly in and go to parties and weddings. So it was just fun all around. So I moved to Stockholm in November 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, with all its dark and gray, um, and I, mm. I suffered through it, and my husband promised me that it was going to be a beautiful summer the following year. I think it was the worst summer on record up until that point. Oh, no. <laughs> so, um, so my Stockholm experience, I think, is is not atypical. It started out um, a little rough. Okay. Uh, the, the climate, uh, the, the loneliness, mm. missing my family. I'm extremely close to my family. Yeah. Um, kind of at that point also, I had given up my career, um, and I just didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, Mm -hmm. but after I learned Swedish, I went to Swedish school for a year. Mm -hmm. I went to Folk University, which was fantastic. I had the best teacher, um, and I, and I felt comfortable with my Swedish capabilities, but I didn't want a traditional job. I had always Mm -hmm. wanted to write. Mm -hmm. Um, I've Mm -hmm. always loved books. Love reading. I was involved with the newspaper, the literary magazine at school, so that yeah. was really my passion. Mm-hmm. And I said to my husband, "I don't want a traditional job. I want to try my hand at writing a book." And um, he's very Swedish with with the Lutheran work ethic. He said to me, <laughs> "I support you one hundred percent, but you have to treat it like a real job, yeah. which means that you get up in the morning and you and you do it from nine to five, etc." And um, even though it sounds a little sort of like uh, Neurotic that he would have said this to me, I think he probably saw that I might have, you know, wake up one morning and be like, oh, you know what? I'm not really feeling it today. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not right. Um, but I did, I was very uh, consistent and I had written a completed manuscript after a year and I went out trying to find an agent in the United States. And it took me several years to find an agent. The mm. last one I queried took me on. In 2004, she mm-hmm. took me on mm-hmm. and um, subsequently sold the book um, called Uptown and Down mm-hmm. to P- Penguin Publishers. Um, and the book came out in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a success in my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But um, I didn't sell tons of copies, mm-hmm. but I, I got some pretty good reviews and I felt like I was establishing myself. I did mm-hmm. certain events. I felt like I was establishing myself as a writer. But I also had two small children, Mm. so I found it difficult to focus. I found it difficult to focus. I found it difficult to find a new story idea, and I also found it difficult to balance writing and being a mother, because Mm. for me, writing is all-encompassing, Yeah, Um, and I found it hard to shift gears, Mm -hmm. Um, to stop at 12 and pick up my child, or to... Um, you know, go to a play group after you're stuck in a scene, then you have to leave and go to a play group. I I couldn't do it. Mm. Um, Mm. So I I put the writing on hold and I focused on um, my family. Mm. Um, But when we moved back to Sweden, uh, we were living in the United States for five years. And when we moved back to Sweden and my children started in Swedish schools and they were getting a little older and more independent, Mm. I decided that I still wanted to write. I had a, I had a story to tell. Mm. And um, that's when I started writing again. Mm.
0: <laughs> mm. So that, and that's, that kind of brings you full circle back. Exactly, exactly. So you
1: went through, I think, what
0: I can pretty much say most foreign born women go through when they come here is that kind of major culture shock. And, and the kind of feelings of alienation and isolation mm. and, and uncertainty about, you know, all the different cultural norms and cultural social codes that we have to go through in order to sort of fit in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to this, um, uh, to, 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 into to sort of Swedish life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, was there anything, one thing specific that really stuck out for you in terms of, you
1: know... I think for me, over the years, I've had. I started out again as someone who was extremely career oriented in Mm -hmm. the traditional sense. Um, University in New York, uh, a job at a at a a white shoe executive search firm. Um, I was going to go on to graduate school, so I really had a traditional path set Mm -hmm. out for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also I I was ambitious in that sense as well. However, when I came to Sweden and I was uncertain about what I wanted to do, what I found really difficult actually was being around a lot of Swedish women who were up in their careers, who were very um, focused on their jobs. And I would go to a dinner party or a lunch and people would ask me what I was doing and I really had nothing to say. I felt Mm, like I had nothing mm, to say because I hadn't looked for a job in Sweden um, I wasn't passionate about anything here that I wanted to do. Yeah, um, and that can be my own fault. I, I probably didn't investigate f- enough and or work some of the contacts that I had. I, I don't know, but I there's also a level of fear and insecurity. Absolutely, there's so many different things. Absolutely. Um, that have to do with it. So that really was difficult for me, sort of like justifying my existence, justifying how I spent my days.
0: I could not agree with <laughs> you more. And I think pretty much every single person listening to this is going, oh, yes. That was really, the justification really hard. of being
1: here. Exactly. Being, taking up space. Taking up space. How am I contributing to, yeah. to Swedish society? Um, so I think in a way that feeling motivated me to say, Jennifer, what is it you really want to do with mm. your life mm. and i knew what i wanted to do and what i was pretty good at was writing that yeah. was the thing that really had been the red thread my whole life in terms of my talents yeah. and skill sets and in many ways the writing is what has saved me from feeling alienated or isolated mm. because i can be in my house by myself and get lost in my head, and I actually really like that feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that this pressure that I have to go out or that I have to meet people. Mm-hmm. I like to be alone in my head, and yeah. and writing is so conducive to that. And I'm so grateful that I'm able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a frustrating process for sure. It's a very lonely process. Mm-hmm. But I think, it, it, <laughs> but I think it really has saved me from a lot of the issues I might otherwise have faced. Yeah. Okay. Being here. Mm-hmm.
0: And how did you? Well, I mean, you when you were saying that you you felt as though you needed to sort of justify mm-hmm. your existence, was this pre to learning Swedish and and kind of being. Economically integrated, as mm. it were. Um, I did air quotes there. Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: um, no, actually, I think that I learned Swedish very quickly. I went to Swedish school if I came November '97, I started Swedish school January uh, '98. Yeah, so very quickly I started Swedish school. So that was my thing for a year to go to Swedish. So you, school. Did you solidly, I just, just solidly did that. went to, That's the to good Swedish way, yeah. school. Um, in terms of, um, in terms of like having an economic contribution, is mm, that what
0: you mean? Well, no. It was mostly just like I'm very interested in this concept of um, e- this political concept mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Um, uh, political and economic integration, which is basically um, the 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 definition of integration mm-hmm. is having a job and learning the language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Whereas mm-hmm. I come from a, well, my thinking is that actually there is a much more nuanced and and. Uh, complex definition of integration which involves community mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. as you you know the building blocks that we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier about social and cultural norms mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know coming to terms with those and culture shock and so on and so forth so i just i'm very interested in you know where people when people thought they became politically and economically integrated versus they actually felt
1: mm-hmm.
0: like they belonged and integrated. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's where I kind of meant with that. So
1: that's actually a really good point because I never really thought of it in those terms. But that's really true because today when we talk about integration, we do mean you learn the language and you get a job. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I was a little naive in the sense that, in a in a way, I knew my self worth in that I had a very interesting job in New York, and somehow I felt like if i wanted to i could do this again i'm choosing not to do it i had mm-hmm. the luxury to choose not to do yeah. it and i guess maybe i didn't see myself in those terms i think i felt more of the social pressure as opposed to mm-hmm. a political pressure mm-hmm. or an economic pressure to mm-hmm. prove that i was mm-hmm. like contributing or fully integrated mm-hmm. but i but i think a lot of swedes appreciated the fact that i spoke swedish that i yeah. had made the effort yeah. to learn yeah. swedish so yeah. i think that that really W- weighed above anything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, that's really. interesting Yeah, to me. I think that was really the, th- the thing at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, but that's interesting. I, I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I is, um, I mean, one of the
0: reasons, I, I, regular listeners will know this already, but one of the reasons that this particular version of this podcast came about, mm-hmm. um, about sort of the female narrative mm-hmm. of migration, um, was because I interviewed a, a research mm-hmm. professor at uh, Stockholm University's uh, Human Geography Department, and um, she introduced the concept to me of immigration as being male normative, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that you know the concept of integration is 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 far more complex and 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 should really. Be disassociated from language and, and um, economic mm-hmm. contribution, because you know we all know. I know lots of people who are who are, you know, incredibly integrated in terms of they've they've, they've learned the language, mm-hmm. they've got a very successful job, they contribute to the society in terms of tax, economically, financially, and so on. Um, but yet they feel alienated. Mm-hmm. To the point where they don't have any Swedish friends, mm-hmm. or they don't have a circle within, you know, the, the their adopted home country mm-hmm. of native, you know, yeah, friends, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and they kind of feel very disassociated from the cultural kind of and social norms um, in the country that they live in, and I just think it's a, it's a very sort of interesting angle to put on it and to say, yes, you know, of course it's incredibly important for people to learn the language and, and to, to contribute to mm-hmm. you know, society economically uh, but there is this whole other aspect of integration that mm-hmm. is just never talked about I
1: mean, and I, I think that's that's fascinating I mean, I think two things, I mean, I think for me personally because I've had this experience of, of being the, the child of immigrants in the United States mm-hmm. and then also being an immigrant here I tend to be very into the language part of it. Yeah. It's extremely important to learn the language for yourself. Yeah. Not even for anybody else, for yourself. And it it fills you with so much more self-confidence and strength, even if perhaps your pronunciation is not great, that you can read, that you can understand. you know, if you go to a dinner party or yeah. a a kalas, mm. you are able to follow along or go see a yeah. movie, yeah. or even more so yeah. when your children come home with homework. Yeah, yeah. Um, I cannot guarantee I can help my, my my daughter who's a senior in in high school in Swedish, but however, you know, in the younger years, I was able to help them with homework because I knew the language. So, so I think that that's very important. I
0: can read pretty much anything, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I absolutely understand 90% of what somebody says to me Mm -hmm. if it's in Swedish, which is pretty much what anybody understands. Um and um I can have a conversation with my we've got <laughs> this is a little anecdote. Um we have uh, my daughter is having her first play date over tonight okay, from okay. school. So we're picking them up from for school at three mm-hmm. o'clock and she's coming over and I'm pretty confident in the fact that I'm gonna be able to communicate b- navigate yes. that situation, yes, you know, yes. in, in Swedish and be okay. So so it's true, but it it does make and I take for granted the fact that it makes my life so much easier. Being able to read street signs, go into a shop and order, you know, whatever it is I need to order, go to a restaurant and have a nice meal, mm-hmm. all, all this kind of stuff like that, completely in Swedish. So I do, I, I agree with you absolutely, it's imperative that you have to I think to learn. it's imperative,
1: and I think that if we if we start to say that the, the language is not important, we're underestimating people's abilities mm-hmm. or desire, mm-hmm. um... Because at the end of the day, you you will not be fully integrated mm-hmm. if you don't know the language. Because you and I have an advantage. Our native tongue is English. If someone's yeah. native tongue is not English, that yeah. language is, is, is not represented anywhere yeah. in Swedish society. So they become even more isolated. Yeah. So it really is imperative to learn mm-hmm. the language. That said, though, I do think that there is a little bit of a gender imbalance in it. Because most... Um, immigrant men that I can meet coming from um, whether it be the United States or other European countries, in many cases they don't speak Swedish. I would say that the burden tends to fall more on the immigrant woman mm. to, to speak Swedish, yeah. and whereas the men seem to be able to get away with it because they're able to conduct their professional lives fully in English. My theory is that if you learn another language, you have to be willing to um, make fun of yourself, and make a fool of yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and once you're okay with that, then, it, then you just speak. Whereas I think sometimes for men, because of gender...
0: Masculine toxicity. Masculine, exactly.
1: <laughs> issues or um, whatever, they feel less comfortable making a fool of themselves. So That's they, really They, they would interesting. rather speak their native tongue, which isn't usually English. So I think that... The burden falls more on the on the woman to learn the language. That's really interesting. Yeah, that has just been my experience. It's not scientific. No, no. Yeah, no but no, no. but that's just been my experience yeah. in this circle of of expat people that I know here.
0: But it's in that's something that I mean I I recently contributed to a book called uh, Six Weeks Holiday mm-hmm. by in shops now, <laughs> um, and um, my uh, contribution was. Pretty much based around that premise. Mm. It's called the mother of all letdowns, and it's my um, uh, story of expectation, really, about where you know when I first we announced to to my English family and to my 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 sweet my Scottish family mm-hmm. and my Swedish family that we were moving back to Sweden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I 80% of them were like, oh, you'll be fine, absolutely. You'll, be, you'll get a job, no problem. Mm-hmm. You speak English, it's absolutely fine, no problem. So there was me going, yeah, great, fantastic. I'm going to be able to just, you know, continue my career.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And it just wasn't the case. And I went from being, you know, pretty much top of my industry in the UK of what I was doing to just pretty much being worthless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because i didn't have any hard skills i wasn't you know i wasn't a computer programmer mm-hmm. or a graphic designer or something like that um, i didn't speak the language mm-hmm. and for some reason foreign born women entering the workforce at that particular level had to have absolute you know they had to have n- native Swedish pretty much mm-hmm. whereas what I was experiencing and again I, this is not scientific mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. all but it was just the experiences that I was ex- you know watching through You know. um, a lot of the same thing was happening with my other friends where their husbands and partners were walking into jobs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm without having to learn the language Mm -hmm. or anything like that Mm -hmm. they were as traveling spouses coming over or or accompanying spouses coming over and were there was all sorts of kind of requirements they needed Mm -hmm. to fulfill before Mm -hmm. they were able to get into job so um but one person did say something to me recently they said well have you thought about the fact that it's you know if you get a job outside of sweden in sweden then you don't need swedish i said but yeah that's still you know it Mm -hmm. doesn't really why should it change I don't know. I mean, I'm not really I sure. Think, I, it's I, a think,
1: very... I think yes, there's that case. You get the job outside of Sweden in Sweden, but many people stay and they continue. Hmm. They move jobs and they continue not learning Swedish. Mm-hmm. Um, m- many men
0: that mm-hmm. I know, mm-hmm.
1: um, which is fine. They're able to make it work for them. Mm-hmm. I I just I say it more as an observation. Um, but I think
0: you're absolutely <laughs> right. I think
1: you're absolutely right. It makes them alienated, more and more alienated, mm-hmm. isolated.
0: And, and, and then again, yeah, you do kind of get to this thing, well, if you can't, you know, how how, how can you achieve any kind of integration if you're sort of on the periphery or... You don't want to,
1: exactly. You know? So I would disagree with that aspect of the professor's statement. However, I, I do think the other part about other as, other parts of integration mm. that we don't take into consideration is so true mm. whereas i can i, I can also I'll, I'll also take it from a from a gender perspective the women that i do know the expat women that are here who have learned swedish traditions and customs mm. who um, you know in addition to learning the language mm. um, mm-hmm. who follow swedish ways of entertaining who follow swedish ways of decorating their home. Mm. I mean it's it, not that they're not interested in it perhaps, but I find that they're very adaptable and very flexible mm. about embracing all mm. things Swedish and making the family life as Swedish as possible mm-hmm. even though it's only 50% Swedish. So yeah. I think that in terms of Integration, from that perspective, I see so many of my female friends from the United States or Canada yeah. really um, throwing themselves yeah. into Fantastic. integrating and having mm. their children feel Swedish. Mm-hmm.
0: I think I should say, the the, the professor that, that I was speaking about, she didn't say that it wasn't language and mm-hmm. Language. It wasn't, and getting the only to way, perhaps. wasn't yeah, yeah. It it wasn't it wasn't important. She said it's incredibly important. It's the basis, it's the structure, yeah. it's the, the backbone as it were. But yeah, there are other, other elements elements. That, yeah. Sure,
1: of course. And it's food for thought. Mm. I mean it's things mm. that I, ha- I haven't really thought about mm. um, per se, but but when I take it in, I still believe that um, we, you know, as expats or foreigners or immigrants mm. in Sweden, we are only empowering ourselves. Yeah.
0: I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm. I'm also incredibly. I don't know if you felt like this, especially having you know, having that third culture kid Mm -hmm. um, uh, aspect as well. Um, I'm acutely conscious of the other half of my daughter's Mm
1: -hmm.
0: upbringing, which is Scottish, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know she has Scottish grandparents and Scottish family back home and it's kind of you, you sort of go well I have to make sure that that's represented mm-hmm. in some aspects so I mean how do you go about doing that with your sure. family?
1: it's really hard um for one thing at least you're in Europe. <laughs> yeah I, exactly that's <laughs> at least a good you're point. Europe, you know, exactly. I, all, of, all of my family is in New York mm, an ocean away yeah so we try to go to the States um two or three times a year Mm -hmm. with the kids it Mm -hmm. it got harder as they got older and school and activities placed demands on them yeah um but we have my family comes probably every other uh Mm -hmm. year they Mm -hmm. come and visit Mm -hmm. um I discourage them sometimes from coming every summer because we just really don't know (laughs) what we're gonna get and and the stress of it is too much for me (laughs) if it's not nice weather (laughs) Um, even though they say they don't care, they're here to see us, but, um, I can't help but focus on the weather. It's hard. It's not easy. I think that, um, I don't really know. I think my children feel American for sure as well, but they don't have this sort of uniquely American experience that I had, or they don't have the same references that I had Mm. or, When I watch American kids um, at Starbucks, I realize my kids are not like that. My kids have been Mm. raised completely different. Mm. Um, They dress differently. They express themselves differently. Mm. Um, They have different interests. Mm. I find that, to my chagrin, (laughs) that sometimes (laughs) my kids can feel that American kids can seem a little bit more... um, Ugh, I hate saying this word, but can seem a little bit more childish, and and in terms of the fact that maybe they've been much more sheltered or they haven't been exposed to certain things. Whereas my my counter argument is, I think that Swedish kids are too advanced. <laughs> I feel that there should that there is this middle ground mm. that we can achieve yeah. in, in parenting um, That's for our kids. But it's it's my, when I go back to the U.S., for example, my sister she has to drive her kids everywhere whereas my children are able to, to you know public get on transport. public public transportation or walk or yeah. so it's just a very different way of growing yeah. up and I but I do feel that <clears throat> the exposure that they do have makes them see that there are other ways of doing things. Mm. This is not the only way mm. of mm. being mm-hmm. there are other ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. I was brought up in that system and it mm-hmm. worked out for me. Mm-hmm. And I just think that um, I want them to have that experience as well. I want them to to connect with that side of them. Yeah. Um,
0: I think it's really it's really fascinating for me, speaking to somebody who has older children who, yeah. who's gone through that kind of uh, process of seeing their their children. Become Swedes, yes, as yes. A, as, a, as a such, because you know Stella's only three. She's she, she her first word was Swedish, of course, <laughs> naturally. Um, so she is. I mean, she is a fully fledged Swede, uh, but uh, it's it's. I I really hope that we can you know, encourage mm-hmm. her curiosity and mm-hmm. finding out more about her, her, her Scottish um, heritage mm-hmm. and, and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, yeah, having that kind of outsider's perspective on seeing your own child grow up in a different culture. It is. is and it's is just really... It's hard to explain to somebody that doesn't
1: understand it. It's very difficult. And, and I find myself accepting things that... I never thought I would accept because I'm just living in a different place. It's a different time of course as well, but it's it's also being in a different place. Mm. But I do think you have to make a conscious effort to expose your children to both sides of their culture. For example, this summer, my daughter and I, my daughter who's 17, she and I spent um, two weeks in Haiti where my parents are from. And I think, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this. It was really a life-changing experience for her because she met so much extended family. Mm. She met so many people who looked like her, which I think really Mm. um, gave her so much strength and pride. Mm. And Mm. I am so happy that the experience turned out even better than what I had hoped. Mm. I, I knew... Uh, she had been actually the one who, who'd been lobbying for a long time to go. <laughs> and I knew what I wanted to get out of the trip or what I wanted her to get out of yeah. the trip. Yeah. And it really just blew me away oh, how fantastic. much she connected. And that was really what I want. I wanted her to connect, to make mm. that connection. And I really feel that she did. Yeah. And so I think that some way, even though I do feel that they're very Swedish, a, a seed has been planted and it just has to be given the chance to grow, yeah. and mm. I think that comes with with them getting older and feeling more confident about who they are or what they want to do in life. Then they then they kind of become less uh, homogenous in their way of thinking mm. or or mm. feeling that they have to do what their friends are doing. Mm. I think that it just it's like a natural evolution mm-hmm. that they want to kind of discover and explore on their own mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I think that's yeah 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 and what you said are you about sort of that the age timing is yes. is absolutely yeah I could because I think you know it is easy to get caught up in when they're very young and go and worry about all these different yes, small things yes. and go well you know I mean she's three she's not even going to remember this when she's 15 no. Another <laughs>
1: thing too is I think that they see a lot or they observe a lot about what we're doing mm. and how you know the fact that if you go to Scotland every summer, or you or you, they come and visit, I mean, it it it's leaves an impression on them. Yeah, I think so. We're
0: <sighs> we're going back over in uh, December to have our first Scottish, Scottish Christmas. Christmas.
1: Oh my gosh! That's so,
0: wonderful. Uh, yeah. Well, it's the last time. The last time I was there it's Christmas time, I was pregnant with Stella. Okay. So it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be a bit. Different. I hope she gets it.
1: (laughs) Oh, I think that's wonderful. I'm just picturing it in my mind. It's probably lots of tartan and things like that. Exactly, exactly. Uh, (laughs) It's not going to be Outlander. But but let's talk about the book Mm -hmm.
0: because um, I have a lot of questions about about the book because it's a fascinating story, actually, Um, and I'm really intrigued as to why you took the conscious decision to set it in the setting it's in can I can, do you want to give a brief synopsis sure, of it
1: absolutely absolutely I don't want to do
0: any spoilers so no know no, not at all <laughs> um
1: my uh second book which I published independently is called lagging indicators and it tells the story of a high-powered uh, career woman on wall street who um, is not married and has no children uh her career has been her entire life mm-hmm. and she gets fired And she gets fired in a very dramatic way, Mm. which prevents her from getting another job. Um, The book takes place in 2009, um, soon after the 2008 financial crisis. So her um, finances are not in good order. Mm. (laughs) Mm. She's she's mismanaged her, her finances. So she finds herself practically broke. So she leaves New York City. And she um, seeks refuge uh, in a cottage, um, in, the, in sort of the countryside, not the full countryside, but sort of like one of these really sort of bohemian bourgeois <laughs> country <laughs> country locations. And um, she's trying to rebuild her life mm. and um, repair her reputation and, and hopefully uh, get a new job. Mm. Mm. Um, but... This, but I would say that the book is a combination of a, of a financial tr- thriller slash a romance novel mm-hmm. because there is a love interest in the book. Yeah,
0: yeah. So. But the, yeah, the thrill, the, I'm, I'm at the thriller aspect oh, the thriller at the moment. Aspect, I'm at the thriller aspect, i okay. <laughs> I'm like, what's going to happen next? Oh my God, what's going to happen next? Um, but this is that, I think it was like, you know, I was really, knowing knowing about your, yes, a little bit about your story and your journey and so on and so forth, I've just, I'm almost really intrigued as to how authors come to these Stories, yes, and what are the influences and the and yeah, how did that happen? I
1: think this particular one is multi layered. I think that first of all, as I mentioned, we lived for five years in the United States. Mm. Um, my husband had a had a posting for a Swedish bank, and so we lived in Greenwich, Connecticut, which at that time, uh, probably still is too, was the hedge fund capital of the world. So we just seemed to only meet people who worked in finance, which right. I found intriguing because when I lived in Sweden. I met people who worked in media and publishing, Mm. um, what have you. Uh, I I met bankers too, but I felt that there was much more diversity in terms of professions. And suddenly, um, I found myself in a place where everybody worked in finance. Everybody worked in, the men worked in finance, and the women, very accomplished, well-educated women, for the most part, had chosen to be stay-at-home moms, the way that I I had chosen Mm -hmm. to be a Mm stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wanted to explore the story of a woman who made her career her whole life, mm. who chose something different from what I had chosen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of just ran away with it. Mm. I just, I, I don't know. I, I really liked writing her. I liked finding her voice. Mm. Um, and I just wanted someone who was different. I know. I, can't, I, I know this is really awful to say this, and I,
0: but I just cannot help imagining her as you, and I'm really trying my best to not do that because it's it's just it, yeah. I'm really trying my yes. best not to do that. Because, but she's not
1: me at no, all, know. which is what's so funny. She and I only share one thing in common. And, um, which is not a big, it's no big surprise, but I lost my mother uh, to cancer and she has lost her mother to cancer in the book. So that's really the only thing we share in common. Mm-hmm. We haven't even gone to the same schools. We haven't got nothing. We didn't study nothing we mm-hmm. have in common. It's more that I just found her voice so fascinating. And that's really what it ends up being, a voice in your head, like this persistent voice. And it just... I inhabited this character. I mm. just started to think, okay, Mia, the protagonist. I started to think, how would what would Mia say? How would she react in this mm. situation? Mm. Um, and it just was fun to be someone else. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of like because I, I don't I'm I'm I am
0: i do not write fiction. Mm. I've never written fiction. Um, uh, so but the only thing that I can come close to that is is acting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Is, is it like, is it I, I, is it a similar process to acting and kind of creating this character yes. in your head and then having to kind of live through the Definitely. character and and, and put your you know, put like a mask, put the character on and then kind Take of. Take the character. Yeah. Absolutely. I
1: think it is like acting. I, I felt like in certain scenes when I had to describe an emotion, mm. I had to think. Of something in my life that had happened that was either similar or mm. could elicit a similar emotion. Mm. Okay, so it is like inhabiting a yeah, yeah, yeah. character, and um, I I was lucky in this book because it's a first person narrative. Like, imagine had I had you know lots of going into the heads of lots of different characters. Like, so it was kind of easy in that sense mm. to really um, become Mia and see how she would react yeah. in certain situations. But it was. Um, it was interesting. It was mm-hmm. really interesting because she, when I, read, when I wrote the book, I said to myself, I don't really care if people like her. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mm-hmm. necessarily need to make her likable. Mm-hmm. I want to make her memorable. I mm-hmm. want to make her um, relatable or realistic in some way. I wanted to have a bit of a flawed character, which yeah. I feel in my first book. One's first book tends to be more autobiographical. So I definitely think my first novel, I draw a lot more from my own experiences. Um, And the character is much more, I think, like I am. Mm. But Mm. I also felt that there's a saying that goes, the flaws in my personality are the flaws in my writing. (laughs) Mm. And I think that I tend to be a little conflict averse. So in my first book, I was really uh, conscious of making this character like sort of proper and 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 likable and nice and 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 safe in a way yeah whereas with mia i wanted her to be provocative and to kind of Mm. challenge Mm. and Mm. i think it could be the point where i am in my life i'm older Mm -hmm. there have been different things going on in society that Mm -hmm. i've reacted to that i that i wanted to kind of Put in this book, mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I can, I can make like that. I can see it coming through in the in this in the storytelling and also in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's uh, um, yeah, it's a page turner. I have oh, to say, thank you. it's a page turner. I'm enjoying it. Um, but I'm interested as well in the indie author mm-hmm. publishing mm-hmm. aspect mm-hmm. of things, and also about why you took the decision to go to the states you and know, do this. And do this. it's so funny.
1: I. This was one of those cases in life where the stars aligned. I. I had been out of the publishing arena for so long hmm. that I literally thought I could self-publish myself. <laughs> like, I really thought that, like, I could take a picture, a stock picture from, like, Getty Images and and kind of typeset the, the book. It felt more <laughs> like a... a, a vanity project. Like, let me just see what this little book looks like, and I can put it on the (laughs) shelf, and then I can start something new. That was really sort of how I was thinking. Mm. But then as I was looking at stock photos, I just happened to Google, can you use a stock photo as a book cover? And up came a blog post from a company called Indie Book Launcher in Canada. Actually, it wasn't the States, it was in Canada. And um, it said, if you use a stock photo, you run the risk of a of a cover clone, and they showed all these covers oh, that had yeah. different books but had the same stock photo, whether it was like a close-up of the stock photo or or they had changed the, the filter, whatever it was. And I was like, oh, my God, I cannot use the nah, stock yeah, photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they said they could design a cover for me. So that's what oh. began the process. So I made an inquiry. I said, "Can you you know let me know about this whole process of designing a cover?" Mm-hmm. And they wanted to see um, a couple chapters of the book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when he came back to me mm-hmm. with questions, mm-hmm. the questions were so astute, yeah. And I said to myself, "Oh my God, he really understands this character." Mm-hmm. And then the image that he you know seized upon to mm-hmm. make the cover mm-hmm. also just kind of blew me away. I said, mm-hmm. this person seems to intuitively understand where I'm coming from. He seems to intuitively understand this character. So that's when I decided, okay, this is the one. Like this is the the star's just the line yeah. for me. Yeah. Um so we began working together on the cover and the typesetting and um he helped me with all sorts of um you know, promotional mm-hmm, things, mm-hmm, getting into mm-hmm. the right platforms, the ISBN number, everything involved, getting me on Amazon, Barnes mm-hmm, & Noble, mm-hmm, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It just was just really a meeting of the minds that really doesn't, does I'm sorry, just, I think that someone upstairs said, Jennifer, <laughs> yeah. you know what, I'm going to make, I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to put you in contact with someone <laughs> that's going to make this process for you as, um enriching and, and yeah. satisfying as possible. And that's really what came out of it. I think that being an indie author was probably the one of the best decisions I ever made mm. for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. For my own personal development, I took a leap. Mm. I went outside the box, outside of my comfort zone, mm. all those different cliches. I really did it. Mm. And also, I've learned so much. Had I waited for a traditional publisher to pick up the book, I... I would still be waiting probably. And I've learned so much in the last year and particularly the last um, six months, uh, Mm -hmm. what is it now, five or six months since the book came out and just the feedback I've gotten from people has been invaluable. Mm. So to me, it's something that I almost can't believe that I did it and it has exceeded my expectations.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you? Was there um, a lot? I, I'm reading a lot about um, the, the the Kickstarter
1: phenomenon. Yes,
0: yes, yes. As a, a sort of add-on, really. I mean, they seem to go hand in hand nowadays in some respect. You know, the indie author um, in itself publishing plus mm-hmm. Kickstarter. I mean. I, was there any kind of, was there ever any point where you thought, oh, maybe I could do
1: that as well? Or was that no, just No, not, not really at enough? all. Like you have to, to know, like I'm deathly afraid of rejection. So I would have hated, <laughs> I would hated to put something on Kickstarter and nobody, um, you know, nobody uh, would take an interest. I saw this for me, um, two things. I, self-publishing or becoming an indie author, you are like a startup company. Yeah. So I quick- saw this as a startup I was starting a company. I was starting a brand. I am the brand. My book is my is my product. Yeah. So that's how I've approached it. Um, and that's actually how I've been able to rationalize every expense that I've put in the book. Yeah. Um, it's a startup. It's a startup yeah. company. You have to invest in I it in order to be able in to get it it In it. order for it to grow. And it's interesting because I think people don't. Say anything about if you're, you know, starting up in a tech company or you're starting up in any type of, um, you know, hard goods that you want to sell. But if you invest in, you know, self-publishing, it it does become sort of a vanity project. And Mm -hmm. I used that term earlier and it, it did feel that way, like sort of like, oh my God, I'm just kind of just doing this. Whereas now I feel like no this is not a business because I don't want to say it's a business in the sense that it takes away from the creative but more that this is a startup I'm mm, building mm, Jennifer mm. and Dahlberg and hopefully I'll have people you know follow my journey yeah. and, and come along on the ride that's that's really what I'm hoping for yeah.
0: and but um, I I'm I'm very um, I'm very into that concept I think this Idea of um, the traditional business, mm-hmm. even the traditional startup nowadays. I kind of, you know, there's. I would even I was just this morning kind of complaining to my other half mm-hmm. about the noise, the white noise that surrounds the start startup industry in Stockholm and Sweden, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, and how it just kind of, it just is. It's not actually reflective anymore of how. Particularly, even millennials are are creating their own careers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because there it seems that the the traditional career and traditional business entity is dwindling. I mean, it's definitely def- it's there's there's no longer this kind of you know you're in your job for twenty five years and then you get the gold watch at the end mm-hmm. of it. That's definitely you know, people, even the, you know, you have maybe three or four different careers in your lifespan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am very much into this idea of you create a brand, a personal brand, you have a set of skills, you have a set of, you know, very nuanced um, knowledge bases mm-hmm. and then you go out and you pitch those skills, knowledge sets, whatever, to other people people Mm -hmm. who are in need of those businesses Mm -hmm. that kind of um I love the term Mm multi-hyphen it's like you're a multi-hyphen you have lots of slashes at the end of your job description you know because you can keep doing sorts of those and I think that's the same for people who are self-published you know indie authors podcasters Mm -hmm. people who are providing people like me who are who run littlebearabroad.com who are providing kind of this sort of three-pronged attack at you know helping people land on their feet when Mm -hmm. they arrive in Stockholm that kind of thing it's it's no longer and and I am still fighting to this day like every single time I have to say people go what do you do and I go oh well this is what I do Mm -hmm. they're like yeah but what do you really Mm do Mm -hmm. what do you really do I'm like really
1: (laughs) is that not enough to
0: be (laughs) doing it's it's really interesting yeah I think
1: a couple of things. I, I totally agree with you, and I think that that for me was the big the biggest leap to just decide that I was going to um, just change the mm. the paradigm for myself mm. that I was going to just do something different. Mm. But I think it's coupled with the fact that we are not from here, so it's harder to explain sometimes. Okay, what we're doing. Whereas I meet many Swedes who are freelancers and. Mm. do many different things Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's normal whereas I think for us it's that there's like that little moment of hesitation before you describe what it is you're doing instead of like shouting it with pride and like stomping your chest and saying yes I am I am an indie Mm -hmm. author and so you don't
0: you don't just think it's a it's just a kind of it's a
1: societal
0: I Transition
1: as it I were. think it's both, but I do find that in general, my experience though in Sweden is that I have met many people who, um, seem to have very flexible jobs and, and, mm-hmm. have, and if anything, I think they move from jobs more than many of my American friends do, yeah, yeah. but I, but I feel that it's a little harder for us to define. And it's easier if you're a foreigner and you say, I work for, um, Ericsson, I yeah. mean, everybody knows what that is yeah. everybody yeah. knows what it means I think yeah. it's harder to say well I have a podcast or I am also doing I have a website I have you know just say something like I'm a multimedia <laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah yeah, you know, yeah I'm a multimedia entrepreneur you know I've something did, like that I've and just I, started it, calling myself
0: a social entrepreneur yeah exactly because that seems to I mean that encompasses everything that we do in terms of all the different layers of Little Bear Abroad plus the book that we're writing plus the podcast exactly. because, you know and it just exactly
1: is, and then, that clicks and then that'll get people interested. But it is a, a question of sort of finding, you know, a way to your identity. That's the whole yeah. point, finding your identity. And what's that identity that you want to project to the rest of the world? Mm. And I think it's, it's mm. hard to do that. And, um, you know, even being a writer, when someone says, what do you do? I'm a writer. Oh, have you been published? Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> um, and then I have my first... Traditional publishing experience, which I guess gives me a little bit of credibility, and then you and I say that I um, I should actually say indie author more in Swedish. I don't know how to quite say it, but um, I'll say mm. Um And it depends. Some people think it's fantastic, and very gung ho, mm. and other people will look at you will look at you skeptically.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, and then sometimes you can get a little bit of that insecurity creeping in again, and you just have to rem- to remind yourself that no, I'm I'm on a path.
0: Mm, mm. (laughs) it's so funny that you say that because I had I've just gone through a pretty dark um insecure uh period (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and and but and I think you know we we were emailing about this before and um you know I think it's definitely seasonally seasonally related related
1: for sure (laughs) it's definitely seasonally related
0: Um, but there is and I don't know if you if you I hope you didn't experience this Mm -hmm. when you were when you were writing but you do go through this period of going what I I don't have any right to say this I don't you know, and and maybe not because mm. you were writing fiction, so it was much more a product of mm. your imagination. Whereas with the stuff that I'm writing, a lot of it has to be very um, fact based, mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, and and I very much go through that kind. Of, and I I'm also very good at putting my heart on my sleeve. I don't really care what people think about me in terms of you know what I'm saying and so on. But um, it really brought up a lot of feelings of. Uh, am I worthy to say this? Do I have the right to say any of this? Am I? Am I? Do I have the? You know, um, what's my authority here on, on this subject? You know, how how can mm-hmm. I write a story about um, what it's like to raise children in? Uh, how am I not a story, but a, 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 an anthology about mm-hmm. what it's like to raise children in Sweden as international parents, when you know. I, I've got I've only got a certain a limited experience of that. Whereas, I think you
1: definitely have the right to say it. I you know, mean, for sure. It's, absolutely. and
0: um, but of course, you know, at the same time, we're also including contributors from all over Sweden mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. have had you know many different experiences, mm-hmm. and we're we've been interviewing hundreds and well not hundreds that's a bit far, mm-hmm. but many many uh, people from all over the world mm-hmm. who are bringing completely different perspectives mm-hmm. and viewpoints of what it's like as well. Um, because you know we want it to be as diverse as possible, so I, that's not even a problem because it's not my voice mm-hmm. that's writing this stuff. It's just it's it's a collection of stuff. But you, as an author, you still go through this kind of like, God. You know, am I, am I worth, am I not worthy, but am I right, kind the of, authority yeah, am it. I like, yeah. does, who's going to read this? Yes. Who's going to read, you know, who's going to take the time to read this? And it really, it really, uh, I, you know, I, I was kind of writing the, re, writing the manuscript, typing the manuscript out and writing it and so on. And kind of, I just came to this point when I just stopped and I haven't really been able to get back on the bandwagon because of this sort of block of, mm. It's a really, I never, I never knew what writer's block was until I actually was like, this is, this is what this must feel like of going, I know I can't, I, I know I have a lot to say mm-hmm. and I know I have a lot to write and I know what I'm going to write, mm-hmm. but I'm
1: like, I can't get out I, there. This is what I say. Mm-hmm. The best writing is really when you are willing to be naked. Yeah. That really is the best writing. And I realized when I struggled with both my books, it was when I didn't dare to really say what I wanted to say. That was really when I I struggled. And I think that obviously we don't want to offend people unnecessarily. Stuff like that is just, you don't need that for a book to be good, you know? But I do think that... If we have an observation or we have an experience, mm. um, we shouldn't be afraid to say it. Or if we want to describe things in certain terms, we shouldn't be afraid to say it. I mean, I think that, in lagging indicators, for example, there are certain gender dynamics that take place, and um, and even some people might say even a racial component in certain in certain interactions, mm. and it's kind of like oh, I wonder how this would be perceived or how with, how that would be perceived. And then mm. that's when I would get the block, when I would say mm. I wonder how that would be perceived. I, 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 yeah, I completely get you. When I could go back and say, okay, but what is it that I really want to say? Mm. And then you... Write that sentence down, and then if you think, oh my gosh, that, that's a little too, uh, mm. too bold, mm. or maybe it's gratuitous, it's mm. grandstanding, then mm. you can try to go back and, and, and maybe finesse it in some mm. way. But get your thought out there is what I think yeah. is important, to get your thought out there. And I actually think people want to see the truth. I don't think people want it to be so sugar-coated anymore. Mm. That's mm. one thing about Sweden, I think, I must say, I feel that a lot is sugar-coated. And I think that if we continue to just sugarcoat some of the challenges that are here, we're never going to have an, an honest dialogue. Yeah, that's a really, I'm really glad that you said that because that's <laughs> exactly how I feel. And, and I've been
0: accused of being too angry
1: mm.
0: uh, in the past. Um, I don't think I'm angry, um, but I think I'm just very passionate about being truthful. Mm-hmm when it comes to the expectations versus realities mm-hmm. of, of this country and how its global um, image, which is just to, in some cases very, very true, mm-hmm. is, 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 it does live up to its, its, its global image. But there are other areas of it which need some retelling. And,
1: and like everywhere yeah, I mean I yeah. think every country is is undergoing a sea change or an identity crisis, yes, every country, and I think as an American in the age of trump it's challenging to be an American abroad I'm so glad that <laughs> you,
0: as an American, feel as though you can even say that name on a podcast because <laughs> I cannot tell you the number of people I know who Americans who have gone. I, 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 you know, he who must not be named. I'm like, yeah. just say it. No, Everyone's I mean, thinking it, he...
1: exactly. <laughs> an American in the age of Trump, in in this, and I, I study political science in school, so I can divorce myself and, and be very analytical about it. Yeah. Um, it's not easy being an American in the age of Trump. It's not mm-hmm. easy going to a uh, you know a dinner party and yeah. and having people. Um, dissect American politics or dissect Americans in general, dissect those who voted for him. Um, I think we should be able to disagree. Mm. I think it's important to have dialogue. Um, I think it's, I, I I have some acquaintances who have different political views than what I do. I have not um, written them off because of that. I think it's just important to, have dialogue and to communicate and i think that sweden is also at that point i don't feel that's i mean i i I, they do i mean obviously we haven't had it we haven't had a government for for 10 weeks here since the election we haven't had a government so sweden definitely they 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 know they know that (laughs) that they that they have some challenges but i also feel that um Given the state that we're in right now, I'm at the point when I go to a dinner party and people will ask me about Trump or they'll ask me about American politics. I will turn it around and I say, well, what do you think about what's going on in Sweden? Or, or who do you think will eventually be the Prime mm. Minister? Or who do you mm. like, I feel that we should not just focus. Focus so much. If anything, what goes on in Sweden is more important to a Swede. Than what is going on in the United States. Mm-hmm. They should be less concerned about what's going on with Trump Absolutely. than what's going on with Riksdagen. Like I think so, I think that it's very important to um, shift the narrative as well so that I, I as an American don't feel so defensive. And I don't mean that in a way to um, to belittle anybody or to make mm-hmm. anybody feel uncomfortable. I think it's more just leveling the playing field. Yeah. You know, we come from two countries that are experiencing an identity crisis that are experiencing challenges let's acknowledge that mm. let's talk about it and I, I
0: wholeheartedly agree with you as a brit coming from the uk <laughs> exactly is exactly going through absolutely. A similar you know political it's, it's crisis all over the world it's, it's
1: all over the world you and know? that's
0: why i think it's so you're absolutely right it's so important to not focus on just one entity uh, you know th- yeah, Every, I mean, almost every European country mm-hmm. is facing some kind of, you know, major political identity crisis Absolutely. in terms of their, you know, what do they, their values and mm-hmm. what do they stand for nowadays? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really, it is fascinating. And um, I, I, I can't even remember how we got onto this subject anymore. But Everything I think, comes to Trump. That's what it is. Everything <laughs> circles absolutely absolutely um i, uh, but I i'm no i'm really glad that you um you said that you know the about the the sugar the sugar coating thing because i think it's um uh, you know not for wanting to sound angry hmm. <laughs> um i'm um, i'm not angry i'm just I, I just think it's really important that we we we're honest with people
1: honest with people have all voices be heard yeah. Um, even the ones that we might find uncomfortable yeah um, then we can engage in a debate, try to persuade, try to make change yeah. compromise etc like I just think that and that's where I think I have to say if I may say so that we in the United States have come longer in this journey because we have our issues for sure however, the spirit of Protests and resistance and debate is alive and well in America. Certainly not. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but even when Obama was president, sure. the, the, the right, the conservatives also um, presented a counterpoint to sure. his policies. So, And I just think that it's always a very dynamic, lively situation. Whereas I think in Sweden, it's been very much um, much more of a um, sort of like an understood or accepted situation. Um, political uh narrative here Mm. and and now that's changing Mm. and from a political science perspective it's super fascinating Mm. um it's scary though like on on the ground you know from a societal perspective it's scary but if people don't talk about it and try to find um common ground it's it's the consequences are going to be really Mm. really um Mm. difficult and that can make me worried uh as as a mom you know raising kids in sweden or um you know if the kids eventually want to live here for the rest of their mm, lives. So mm. I think that there are there are a lot of different different things that, that need to be addressed.
0: I think it's I I am I'm, I'm just a great believer of as you know if, as all these things all it does happen is when you move to a different country you suddenly realize that the world is not monochrome.
1: Mm-mm. It is
0: absolutely nuanced, multi-layered, complex. You know, it's ah oh, it's so uh, Yeah, it's just much more tricky to navigate than one would ever ever imagine in your own little bubble that you. (laughs) It is, and I think
1: I mean I often joke to my Mm -hmm. husband. I say like, um, okay, you guys haven't had a government in ten weeks. Why is there no one on the street protesting? (laughs) It's so true. It's so
0: true. This is like that's. I'm watching SVT every night. We're watching the news, and I'm you know sitting across from my other half as well, and I'm just going. This is crazy. It's crazy. I mean, what? you think Brexit is crazy? Yeah, this, this is, is crazy. Insane. Too. When, when are the adults going to get in the room and actually go, okay, let's just set aside our pride, yeah, and our, you know, whatever it is that is holding us back from just talking and just just make a decision,
1: make a decision. And also, I think um, we as citizens, although I'm not a Swedish citizen, I did I did vote in the election for for the communal and mm, I just didn't so vote that, yeah. for Riksdagen. But I but I live here and, and I am invested in, in what goes on in in society here and I and I feel that we as citizens also need to demand more from our leaders. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they are quite getting that message because mm-hmm. if they were, this process would have, you know, yeah sped along already. We would have had some kind of resolution. And I think that's what I can find frustrated frustrating sometimes about living here is I, I I feel that there's a little bit of an of an inaction that I don't quite understand. Like I don't mm-hmm. understand why people aren't reacting more to some of the things that that are mm-hmm. going on, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I can find frustrating.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting. There's a lot of action involved around um, sort of peripheral mm-hmm. issues.
1: Which absolutely. I kind in, in of in my eyes, I also agree. I consider more peripheral issues. Which yes.
0: I'm kind of going mm, okay, but maybe we should focus on getting a budget yes, first. Absolutely, <laughs> and then
1: we can as- fix that. Then we can fix some <laughs> other things. I totally
0: um, and I mean, in peripheral issues such as things like um, um, there is a, 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 a there's a demonstration um, about the other day that we got caught up in about surrogacy, mm. and I was just kind of going, what? Okay, I mean, I have to be very honest here and and I know I'm probably going to get hate mail for this but um, I don't have a problem with surrogacy. Mm -hmm. I come from a country um, in which surrogacy has long played a a, a role in fertility Mm -hmm. options and and so on and so forth. Um, And I really have a problem with um, uh, Sweden's issue with Mm -hmm. fertility and it's kind of... very kind of dark take on 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 surrogacy because I don't think it needs to be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, I do think it needs to be regulated mm-hmm. a lot more um, and so on. But I think you know when you have a, a, a very strong stance on abortion and then a completely opposite stance on surrogacy, mm-hmm. I kind of go. Mm, I'm mm-hmm. not really sure. Anyway that's out there now send me your hate mail you know where I am um but I just kind of was like okay so there's a lot of action on stuff that's to do with things like surrogacy and sexual health and Mm um uh a lot of a a lot of things to do with women's rights Mm -hmm. which is great which Mm -hmm. I think is and that is a very active part of the Mm -hmm. um uh uh
1: society but yeah what about the big picture what's how, it, um, it's interesting I don't know I find it really interesting as well I um I sometimes think that some of the more um, feminist issues are, are I, I kind of refer to them as super important mm. but I guess maybe for me as, as, as a woman I don't I don't find them as uh, perhaps controversial to take up whereas mm. I think that because I, because I feel that to me that some of them, some so many of them are no-brainers, you know. Yeah. So I don't find them to be controversial issues. Th- yeah, and, and I, I, I think, think that's equal, equal pay for equal work, or um, you know, more women on boards or more women in the mm-hmm. in the corporate suite. You know, those things to me are just so um, obvious that I. But I think, but advocating for something like maybe the different political parties should just, you know, consider bringing in. A mediator? A mediator, or, <laughs> you know, why don't we um, you know, have a dialogue with, with the sides that, that we had said we would never talk to before, but we'll have a dialogue with them now. I mean, that is a much more controversial issue to take up, because it seems to go against um, sort of like prevailing um, thought, yeah. you know? Like I think that it, it seems to go against the sort of like accepted modes of, of thinking mm-hmm. and and. In private, I've had conversations like this with people, for sure. Mm. Like, um, but I think that taking a public stance on things or protesting about mm. it is just not. Yeah, people are afraid that it, it would be perceived a certain way. Mm. Um, and again, coming from the United States, when I really do feel that, you know, issues of like oppression and racism mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, homophobia, etc., those issues. I, I I think like I really the face of hate to me is so clear. Yeah. And whereas I think that here in Sweden it's 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 not as I don't know, I don't find it as frightening to talk about it here mm-hmm. because in some way because Sweden doesn't have the same history as America does. Mm. I have more faith that maybe that they can they can find common ground.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, like I don't feel like it's in the fabric of the country the same way that it is in the United States. Yeah. So, which
0: I think I'm frightened that it's going to become the fabric of the country. Mm. And I think it's with issue with the the lack of uh, the lack of common ground that we're seeing at the moment in the Riksdag and and the the divisiveness between mm. parties is in my eyes only going to drive that face mm-hmm. into the fabric of of mm-hmm. what Sweden is actually made up of. And that really scares me, I think. But maybe that's me just being a little bit of a doomsdayer. No, but
1: I mean, I think you, that could very well be. But that's why mm-hmm. I think that we have to be in a situation where all voices are heard. I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, I think it's about all voices being heard. Um
0: and 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 talking. And dialogue. Talking all and the dialogue, time. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I Rather agree. than
1: someone deciding what we as a people can handle or not mm, handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. I think that's yeah. I think that's absolutely uh, right.
0: That's absolutely right. Um well, is there anything else that you
1: would like to plug? Um hmm. I guess what I what I wanna say is I definitely have had my ups and downs in Sweden for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, some years have been better than others, (laughs) (laughs) of course, depending on the weather. No, um, (laughs) some years have been better than others, but I think at the end of the day, what, what I would like to plug or the message that I would like to give to any, um, immigrant or expat person here is that, um, you can make it work here. You can make a place for yourself mm-hmm. and don't be discouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, be yourself, first of all, which I think is so, so important to be who you are rather than try to fit into some kind of mold. Yeah. Um, obviously, there are certain rules and norms that we respect um, for sure. Like any country that we go to, visiting a country, there are certain things that, that we take into consideration. But I think being yourself and seeing what, you have to offer is who you are Mm. is so important. And I, and I really believe it's appreciated. Mm. And I think that it's very refreshing as well um, to Swedes. So I think that the experience is going to be challenging, but it's challenging anywhere. I speak to my friends and my sister in the United States, and they also have to deal with certain issues. It's not, it's not easy. Life is hard. Life is hard.
0: Especially as more and more people have more and more ways to tell you. Yes,
1: yes. It's not. To,
0: to give their opinion. Yes,
1: absolutely. It's tough. It's yeah. tough. Nobody said it was going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, some of us come here by choice. Others come by circumstance. But I think that it's possible to make it work and to really just um, see ways to become involved. Mm-hmm. Make a difference, mm-hmm. learn the language, yeah. feel empowered, yeah. um, make connections. Yeah. Um,
0: I, I'm a great believer in the concept of what you put in is what you get back out.
1: I really think so. And I do. it's I do. all
0: about, you know, and, and I, I have to admit, though, that is a really hard thing to hear when you're having a bad day. For sure. <laughs> it is hard. But, you know, you
1: really do report you so in a positive light, not in a bad light know, In a positive I light mean, you know you do in a positive way and i and I just wish that we could have more of these uplifting inspired I'm not saying that mine necessarily is, but I just feel that more of these stories really give people um energy yeah and, and um People can dream. I mean, this is this is tough. It's tough to move where the language is, is so difficult, and mm. there are barriers to entry mm. for certain professions, for sure. Mm. So it's not going to be an easy journey, but mm. I do think that it's doable. Yeah. I do believe it's doable. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That's great. Thank so, you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>